0: The Old Testament lesson today comes from Psalms 91 and 2 and 14 through 17. Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Satisfy us. In the morning with your steadfast love so that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Make us glad as many days as you have afflicted us and as many years as we have seen evil. Let your work be manifest to your servants and your glorious power to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and prosper for us the work of our hands. O prosper the work of our hands. Would you please stand, uh, if you're able, for the reading of the gospel? The gospel lesson is Luke 5, 1 through 11. Once while Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret, and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, We have worked all night long, but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to burst. So they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats and so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees saying, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were astounded at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him.
1: The word of God for the people of God. May be seated. Thank you, Dave, for being our liturgist this morning. Would you join me once more in an attitude of prayer? Gracious God, may these words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here be found faithful in your sight. For you, O oh God, are our rock, our strength, and our Redeemer. Amen. I could feel my body get tense as I walked into the barber shop on Friday afternoon. Now, this was my first haircut with this new barber, uh, and my first haircut in a while. I don't know if you could tell. Um, and I don't know about you, but I always get a little bit nervous when a new person cuts my hair because, well, you never really know what you're going to get. And it's not because I'm particu- particular about my hair, I'm really not that fussy about it, but I've had a rash of really bad haircuts lately. In fact, the last time a new person cut my hair, it took them over two hours to do it. <laughs> it's not a good experience. So suffice it to say, I was a little nervous. Now, the barber's name was John, and that's not his real name, but I changed his name to protect the innocent And thankfully, John made me feel comfortable and at ease as I settled into his cream-colored barber's chair and awkwardly tried to tell him what I wanted him to do to my head. Now, I feel like with haircuts, it can go either one of two ways. Either you get a barber who talks your ear off the entire time, which is not what I want, or you get one who holds an awkward silence the entire time, which is almost worse. But John, John hit the sweet spot. As he began to go to work on my hair, he asked me a few questions about myself, and I asked him a few questions about his life, and I recognized very quickly that John was new to the barbershop, having just graduated from Barber's College in December, (laughs) which again made me feel nervous like I was in for another bad haircut. John told me that he used to work for a manufacturing company up near McPherson, but uh, at the age of about 35 or 36, he began to feel unfulfilled in that job. He began to feel like he was ready for something more, something more meaningful. And so he bought an old barber chair from his own hairstylist, set it up in his garage, and began to teach himself from YouTube how to cut hair. (laughs) So at this point in the haircut, I'm like sweating bullets, right? (laughs) And I'm anticipating that I'm going to have to go to my mom and dad's house and they're just going to have to shave my head bald later that day. John began by teaching himself on YouTube, but but he actually formalized his uh, training, went to Paul Mitchell, and now he rents a chair at the same barbershop where he used to have his own haircut. the very same barbershop I sat sweating in that Friday afternoon. Now, at some point in the haircut, I turned to John, and I asked him what he liked most about his job, and he told me that it wasn't so much for him about providing a quality service. Again, this is not helping. As much as it was for him about using his talents and his skills to create a space, a space where people can feel taken care of, listened to, And especially a space for other men who we are really bad at cultivating male friendships where they could be in community. I like John. Meaningful work. We all want it. In fact, I think meaningful work is one of the deepest desires in our bones, right next to things like, ...affection and affirmation and security, I think we all desire at some place within us to feel like our life and the work of our hands is meaningful and has a purpose. We all want it. And many of us spend our entire lives chasing after it. But have you ever thought to ask, what is it that makes our work meaningful? Is it the amount of money that you make, or is it the impact that your work has on the greater good? Is it about the achievements that you garner for yourself, the feathers in your cap, or the connection that your work has with the sense of inner destiny or inner calling? These questions are complicated enough, but but even more puzzling than these questions is the question of how do we cultivate it? That's the title of the chapter in Brene Brown's book, The Gift of Imperfection, that we're looking at today Cultivating Meaningful Work. How do we discover a way of working in the world that not only deeply enriches us, but enriches the world as well? To try and answer these questions, I want to talk with you today about the idea of Christian vocation. Now, you might think to yourself, what is vocation? That's kind of a word we maybe don't use as much. And I want to start off this morning by defining for us what vocation means. Now, vocation comes from the Latin word vocare, which means to call or calling. This is why it's actually commonly used in Christian circles, because we have a habit of talking about God calling us to a certain kind of work or a certain vocation. But I want to define it for us today, and I actually am borrowing this definition from a theologian named Walter Brueggemann who defines vocation in a really cool way. He says, vocation is finding a purpose for being in the world that is related to the purposes of God. And I want that to just sink in for a moment. Vocation is finding a purpose for being in the world that is related to the purposes of God. Now, over, over the next few minutes, we're going to flesh that out a little bit more, and I want to begin by taking a look at this gospel text that Dave read for us, because on the surface, this gospel text is only about Jesus calling his first disciples. But in reality, it's deeply about meaningful work, and vocation. See, John, Peter, and James were all fishermen, and they were failed fishermen. In fact, the text tells us that they spent all night working, and they were probably extremely tired by the point we meet them, because they had spent all night trying to catch some fish. And the text tells us they were woefully unsuccessful. They didn't catch a single fish all night. And in the morning comes this itinerant preacher, this new healer walking along the lakeshore trying to keep the crowds at bay while sharing with them some teaching. And I have to imagine that these fishermen had heard of this new rabbi fresh out of Nazareth. He was supposed to be a big deal, but I doubt that they cared because they were just tired and discouraged that their work had not been as fruitful as they had hoped. But they are respectful, so when the teacher asks them to use their boat to teach from, they dutifully push their boats out into the shallow waters and let Jesus teach from their decks. Now, what's interesting about this is that the story says that Jesus doesn't actually talk to the disciples. He addresses the crowds. But Peter, James, and John are there And we have to imagine that they hear what Jesus says. They hear the gospel. They hear the good news. But they also hear so much more. Because after Jesus is done teaching the crowds, Jesus turns directly to them and says, cast your nets out into the water once again. And at this point, I can just see all three fishermen roll their eyes at Jesus and say, Jesus, trust me, we've tried it. There are no fish in these waters. But probably too tired to argue for long, they listen to the instructions of the teacher, and they cast their nets one more time, but this time in deeper waters. And it is here, after they have labored and toiled in vain all night long, exhausted and wearied by their work, it is here that they encounter the miracle. A net so full of fish, it nearly sinks both of their boats. But that's not it. Because then Jesus, having shown them the gift of true abundance, invites them into a new vocare. Jesus invites them to a vocation, a way of living and being in the world. He says, you will not just fish for fish. But I invite you to follow me, and I will make you fish for people. And this is the invitation that changes their life. Now, I love the image in this text of the empty net and the full net, because I think it helps us to see the difference in what meaningful work is. The fishermen begin their day, and I think we can say that they are essentially working for themselves. They're working for their own purposes. And there's nothing wrong with that, because they're just three fishermen trying to make an honest living and provide for their families. We can all relate to that. But maybe we can also relate to the struggle that they have to find meaning, value, and fruit in their work. Thorns and thistles and barren waters is all that they find. Is this not like so many of us? We seek honest and fulfilling work, but we find more often than not that squeezing meaning and purpose out of our work is as difficult as catching fish in barren waters. We cast our nets in search of a life of purpose and fruitfulness, but sometimes the catch is less than we thought it would be. And if fruitfulness is to be found, it is often hard won and comes at a great cost, often a cost to the people we love the most. But when Jesus invites the fishermen to join their purpose with the purpose of God, it is here that they find true fruitfulness in their work. They catch more than they ever expected to, a true miracle. And it happens because they join their work with the divine flow of energy that says, come and follow me. Take the skills and the gifts you have and use them for this purpose, a purpose that is bigger and greater than yourself. Friends, this is what happens to us when we discover our true vocation. When we find that our purpose in this world is a part of the purposes of God, we discover the gift of work at its most meaningful level. Now, if we are ever going to truly recapture a profound sense of vocation for us as a community, we need to clarify something important. We need to clarify that vocation is not necessarily the same as your job or your career, or your occupation. I'm going to say that again. Vocation is not the same necessarily as your work, your occupation, the thing you do to pay the bills. Of course, it is possible that the job that you do to pay the bills is a part of your purpose that is part of the purposes of God. But it doesn't have to be. For if we think that meaningful work and vocation is only reserved for the work we get paid to do between the hours of nine to five, think of all the people that are excluded from the work of God. Children, youth, retired adults, stay-at-home parents, people with disabilities who cannot work, literally everyone who is unemployed is excluded. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about these categories, these are the people who sometimes do the most meaningful work in our society. In fact, from a psychological and faith development perspective, stay-at-home parents do some of the most profound and meaningful work there is. But we live in a world that is obsessed with what we do. And they're mostly obsessed with what we do between the hours of 9 to 5 and how much it pays. But the thing about vocation is that it's never found on a job description. Vocation is found in that place where our soul sings. Vocation is found in that place where we are connecting with one another on a deeply human level. It's kind of hard to describe, but if you've ever been doing something and you have just felt to yourself, this is what I feel like I was made to do. That is vocation. Vocation is not always readily apparent on the surface. It's not always easy to see because vocation is a deeper, more personal kind of work. It happens in those deeper waters of faith that God calls us to. It is our calling. Now, I used to think when I was trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life, that vocation or finding your vocation was like trying to find a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, except the pot of gold was hidden somewhere inside yourself. And that the goal of life was to embark on this grand adventure, this grand search for the one thing, the one thing that you were born to do. And if you were lucky, to find a way to get paid to do it. Because as the saying goes, do something you love, You'll never work a day in your life. But as I've begun to discover my own vocation and live into it more and more, I've realized that cultivating meaningful work in our lives is not like trying to find a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow that's hidden inside of us. It is not about searching for a personal destiny that you have to decode. Finding meaningful work is about partnering with what God is already doing in the world and finding a way for your unique gifts, talents, skills, and passions to be merged into the eternal flow of God's grace. To co-create alongside God a life of meaning, purpose, and vocation. Vocation asks us to take stock of our unique gifts. It does ask us to look within but vocation also calls us to remember that those gifts that are given to us by God find their most profound expression when we are tapping into a work that is bigger than us and transcendent from us. For isn't this how the Holy Spirit works? The Holy Spirit is within each and every one of you, giving you those gifts, passions, skills, behaviors that make you uniquely you, and yet the Holy Spirit is also bigger than all of us. And thanks be to God for that because vocation always calls us to a work that is greater than us. I think about the UMW group who provides funeral dinners whenever we have a a funeral here at the church. It's a lot of work to do that, and they don't get paid for it but they do it, because I think it gives them purpose. It gives them meaning. And what they're doing when they're providing that meal is they're not just providing fried chicken and bread and green beans. They're tapping into the work of God and joining in what God is doing to offer hospitality and comfort and care to people who are in the midst of grieving. This is but one example of what it means to join our purpose with the purposes of God, to join God in the flow of divine grace, to speak good news to people who need to hear it, to liberate people who are in bondage. It is about offering our work as a conduit for hope, an instrument for mercy, to proclaim through the way we live, whatever work it is, that there is a God who redeems restores, and heals the broken. Friends, we are called to be vessels, the very hands and feet of Jesus, a partner and a co-conspirator of grace. This is the work of vocation. And if you want to find work that is meaningful, look nowhere else than that place where your spirit comes alive, where the intersection of your gifts pal- Talents and passions intersect the world's deepest need. It happens through us. One catch of fish, one haircut at a time. Now, I don't know if John was a person of faith, and frankly, I don't think it matters that much. Because as my haircut was coming to a close, I thought to ask him one more question. And I asked him, John, do you find meaning in your work? And his answer came immediate, and it only took one word, absolutely. And I told him, John, you have found meaningful work. You have found a way to contribute to the work of the universe. I didn't know if he was a Christian, so I didn't use the word vocation. But John has found what it means to cultivate meaningful work. And I think I'll go back. So what is it for you? What is the way that you are uniquely gifted and equipped to merge into the flow of God's ongoing work in the world? What is your vocation? It might be different than the thing you do from 9 to 5, Monday through Friday. It might be different than the thing you do to pay the bills but it is at that place where we discover the true gift of meaningful work. I hope you'll think about it, because this is one of the most important questions we can ask ourselves. Who is God calling us to be? To be people who heal, encourage, support, raise up, teach, liberate, inspire, and transform this world. Do not ever shortchange yourself and do not shortchange your vocation even if it feels small. For at the end of the day, we should remember that the work we do is never finally about us. It is about God. And the work that God has been doing long before we were here is doing now and will continue to do long after we're gone. But thanks be to God that while we are here, we get to join in it. To join our purpose to the purposes of God. Amen.